You're listening to a not-for-print podcast, independent Australian podcasting. David James Young here, back for another week of all my friends own bar bands. Hope things are well with you. Folks, we have finally done it. We have reached the end of the road in terms of the bar bands archive. When COVID hit and the lockdown started, I was kind of, yeah... Up in the up in arms, I, I I kind of despairing as to what to do with this podcast, and then I realized, hey, you know, you have like a bunch of podcasts that you recorded and then have just been too lazy to get up. Well, today's the day, buddy. Get out there and sort that shit out. So. Over the last almost six months now, I have been gradually working my way through that archive and getting new stuff up from it, and this is the very last episode that I recorded in that period. We are going back to January 2020, and we are talking to Knocked Loose. Knocked Loose are a very heavy, very hard-hitting, fast, brutal, intense, hardcore band from Oldham County in Kentucky. They came out to Australia for a headlining run on the back of the Unify Gathering back in January, and I got to see them three times on that run, which included a show at Dicey Rallies in Wollongong, uh, headlining Invasion Fest in Sydney, and also playing at the Cambridge Hotel in Newcastle, where this episode was recorded. We spoke to Brian, the band's lead singer, and Kevin, the band's drummer, and we got into the ins and outs of playing hardcore in a small town, the community that has lifted them up, and indeed has sent them global on the back of their second album, which ended up being one of my favourite records of the decade last year's A Different Shade of Blue. It's a record that I love so much, I actually have a giant album cover flag uh, up in my room of that record. Uh, So, yeah, just to give you an idea of uh, what this band means to me and how much I've really come to enjoy them uh, over the last year or so in particular. So, so grateful that I got to see them on this run, obviously, because not least of all because international tours would come to a screeching halt circa March, so I'm very glad that they got to get this run in before all of that went away. Bunch of people I would like to thank. I would like to give a big thank you to Janine Morcos at Dallas Does PR for helping to set this one up. Janine has been a long-time supporter of this podcast. I cannot emphasize enough how much she means to me and how much she has done for me and this podcast. So, a big, big, big thank you to Janine for helping to make this one happen. Uh, Also giving a big shout-out to the legendary Mark Borden, who helped liaise this one in real life alongside Mr. Greg Bauer from Arrest Records. And a big thank you to Mr. Paul McWhorter for helping to edit this one as well. Really, really thankful for everyone that has uh, been helping out and uh, supporting this podcast. 
it all honestly means so, so much. So, yeah, I just want to give a big thank you because, uh, yeah, try as I might, I can't do all of this on my own. So, uh, the, the support and the help is really, really, really appreciated. Won't leave you too much longer. Just a quick reminder that this podcast is made possible with the support of people just like yourself. If you are interested in helping out, you can do so by leaving a review over on Apple Podcasts, five stars, please, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts from. Telling a friend about what we're doing over here would be absolutely awesome. If you have a friend that is a big Knocked Loose fan, Perhaps they would be interested in hearing this episode or indeed episodes that I've done with other heavy acts over the years. Or maybe they have an open mind. Maybe they're into other stuff as well. You never know. You just never know what you're going to find when you go through the archives of all my friends who are in bar bands. So I hope that they they and you find something that you like. And of course, if you would like to support this podcast over on Patreon, that would mean the absolute world. You are supporting me. You are supporting this podcast. You are supporting everything that I do as a creator, as a writer, as a podcaster, as a musician. It's all covered in the David James Young Patreon. And for as little as $1 a month, you gain access to early access to episodes, bonus content, playlists, and a bunch of other stuff that I have going at any given time. So I would absolutely love you to check that out if you are in a position to do so. As always, we'd love to give a massive thank you to Adam Turner, Amy Gray, Bill Robinson, Blake Hennequin, Catherine Burgess, Chris Bowden, Chris Kearns, Dave McCarthy, David Armstrong, David Beckett, Elliot J. O'Neill, Eloise Young, Jeremy Dillon, Jeremy Neal, Jonathan Elvery, Carly Herring, Katie Beershaw, Lachlan Kanowick, Leslie Bowden, Liam Sherlaw, Mark Wilson, Mary Gleason, Matthew Lynch, Paddy Abelos, Paul McWhorter, Philip Spiteri, and Will McDougall. If you would like to join this list of absolute legends, please head over to patreon.com slash David James Young. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash David James Young. If you would like to get in touch, barbandspod at gmail.com, b-a-r-b-a-n-d-s-p-o-d at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. Always, always, always open for business. You can follow along with the Not For Print Podcast Network at Not For Print Pods. You can follow me on Instagram at DJYWrites, W-R-I-T-E-S. You can follow along on Facebook at David James Young Writes. And you can head over to all my friends com as well. Let's kick this shit off just right from Oldham County, Kentucky to Newcastle, Australia. This is Knocked Motherfucking Loose. David James Young and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friends, Knocked Loose. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Very well, thank you. Please, introduce yourselves. My name is Brian. I sing. I'm Paxton. I play drums. 
It is Friday night. We are in Newcastle, New South Wales, Australia, and Knockloose are here for... Is it your first headlining tour here? First time headlining, third time in the country. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was the, what was the first run you guys did? The first time we came over here was us and Stick to Your Guns. Yeah, And then nice. two Australian bands, Relentless and Reaction. Sick. Great yeah. bands. Oh, it was an amazing tour. One of my favorites that we've ever done. Amazing. Nice one. And the second one? The second one, we were supporting Four Years Strong. Okay. Yeah. That's also, a, that's an, an interesting tour. combo. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. <laughs> how did the, how did the pop punk kids take it? I feel like we we try to do a lot of stuff like that, yeah. just because there is sort of that crossover. And yeah. uh, but coming down here, like we've known them just from playing in the states with them, and it's so sick to be down here. We're like, oh, we're with a bunch of buddies in a great place. Yeah. Uh, the shows were cool, and it was great hanging out. I yeah. had fun at least. Yeah, it was awesome. Sweet. And this run is with uh, Jesus Space, who I, I'm assuming you guys have a fair bit of history with. We've done shows with him in the States, like, earlier on, and then our first time touring together would have been 18, 2018? 17 with Terror. It was 17, okay, yeah. Yeah, that with we took... as well, yeah. Yeah, we, we took them... also on this run. Yeah. Yeah, well, not this run, but they're yeah. here at the same time. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. doing a with you guys tomorrow. Yeah, we're crossing paths tomorrow. But we toured with Jesus Peace for, like, we took them out for our very first headliner... And then, oh, yeah. but we've always just kind of crossed paths and knew each other and been yeah. friends. So we've been talking about doing this together for a really long time. Sick, nice one. So I begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it changed over from being something that maybe you were watching on TV, listening to on the radio, etc., to being like, "This is what I want to do. I want to sing. I want to play an instrument. I want to be in a band. That sort of thing." Uh, Brian, we'll start with you. Can you tell me a bit about how music kind of factored into your childhood and your upbringing and if there was any kind of switch on moment for you? It's just like, I want to do that. Music was a huge part of my upbringing. My uh, grandpa, I call him my pop, he played bass Yeah. uh, and he toured for as long as he could. My grandmother was a country singer uh, and she played shows and uh, I would grow up going to those. I have an uncle who's a drummer, a cousin who's a guitar player, an uncle who booked like hardcore shows, and then not only that, but my mom and dad are just huge uh, music fans. Yeah, uh, not necessarily musically inclined, but just obsessed. So like, growing up, there was always music playing in the house. Yeah, like music over the TV. We would just have music going at all times. Yeah, um, when it switched for me i would say i was in middle school and um i started listening to heavier stuff i grew up listening to a lot of hip-hop but then i started listening to like your entry level like slipknot corn system of a down stuff like that Yeah, yeah yeah and from there i just started discovering heavier music and that was a time period where it was still on tv I could watch like headbangers ball oh true yeah and i could discover so many new bands through that and we had like dial up internet, so I would like try to download music on like LimeWire. Yes. Yeah. And then um, I actually wanted to be a guitar player before I ever wanted to be a singer. Yeah. Because of bands like Azalea Dying. Sure, yeah. Yeah, it's just like riffs constantly. But I was no good at that. I just didn't have the patience for it. Yeah. Um, so I just started screaming. And here we are. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> Done all right, I think, considered. Maxon, what about you, man? I. I would I wouldn't say exactly the opposite, but I didn't really have any like heavy influence growing up. Like my dad, like I remember he had a Beatles CD. 
Like, right. that was really all I really got. And, uh, <laughs> was it the red one or the blue one? I think it was the blue one. Yeah. Or it was whatever had Here Comes the Sun on it. Yeah, yeah, the blue one. So, uh, <laughs> so that was really the only, you know, introduction I had was like, oh, yeah, music. We yeah. have this CD laying over there yeah. in the corner. So uh, they, my parents put me in piano lessons when I was real young. And now, did you hate piano lessons? I at the time I did. Yes. Looking back, <laughs> I was like, I would, I would have loved to be able to play or like stick with it. You know, mm. looking back, like I said, but uh, so that never stuck. Uh, I wanted to play guitar too, so I took guitar lessons. I bought a guitar. Nothing really stuck until uh, I, I managed to. They didn't want to do drums because of how loud it was going to be. Yeah, of course. So I convinced them to get me drum lessons for Christmas yeah. one year. So they got me like three months worth of lessons. They said, if you stuck with that and you enjoyed that, maybe you can get a drum set. Yeah. I said, sure. Uh, and I think within like the, of the month and a half, I was like just obsessed. I was like looking online to buy kits. Yeah, so yeah. I had been playing drums uh, for a few years, and then I moved up to Kentucky where these guys are, and Brian was in bands around town mm. uh i played with uh, isaac and cole and a bunch of different bands yeah, yeah. and then it's i had always wanted to like just play shows like with my buddies yeah uh, especially when i started playing drums once i hopped in with these guys it was just kind of like here we go yeah off we off we run where did you grow up i grew up in jacksonville florida right and it was before biscuit what's that oh yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I never like really went to shows there because I moved when I was about fourteen. I wanted right. to, but there, my parents were like, "No, like it's the screaming music. Like, yeah. we, we don't need to get <laughs> you into that." Just, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then, yeah, moved uh, two thousand ten up to Kentucky, and then right one by one met everyone and knocked loose. And yeah, and here, yeah, like you said, here we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're Kentucky born and raised. Yep. Whereabouts? Louisville. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. So I lived in Louisville until I was in. A, I, I lived like really close, to like downtown Louisville, until I was in about the second grade, probably. Right. And then I moved to Oldham County, and then I've lived in Oldham County ever since, which oh. is like thirty minutes outside of Louisville, just like the country, the suburbs, like yeah, away from the city. Right. So I can imagine it would have been a pretty tight knit like community regardless like you take the regular like small town mentality and then you narrow it down to the people that like music and then yeah. you narrow it down even further to the people who like the same music as oh, you definitely. yeah exactly <laughs> definitely so it's just like well we gotta be friends like we literally don't have anyone else yeah here. Yeah. yeah for like sure that's always how it goes too is like you're friends cause you gotta be like no yeah, one else yeah, is yeah. around yeah 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 so yeah were you guys kicking around in bands before Noctily started I was in a couple, uh, noth- nothing notable. Like, it was just garage band stuff. Yeah, sure. Uh, Cole and I were in a band, our other guitar player, and Isaac, our guitar player, he and I were in, a, a like, a prog metal band at one no point. Oh, shit. Yeah, and uh, just, like I said, garage stuff, nothing crazy. Yeah. Nothing, nothing really out of town. Like, we would play a Louisville show once in a blue moon, and that yeah, really yeah, yeah. be it. I was in some bands, but never did anything with them. Like, mm. this is the first band that did it anything right um just we just played locally in like tri-state area like ohio and yeah, Indiana. yeah. And was it similar sort of bands or yeah but i was trying to do a m- much more like fancier stuff like i was trying to do like low screams and oh, yeah. high screams and then i just stopped trying to be fancy and just started yelling at the <laughs> yeah. top of my lungs <laughs> 
Well, you got a guy. You got a guy to do the low screams now. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it works. <laughs> Perfect. How old were you guys when you played live for the first time? Like, you would have been still in school. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was well, like together or just like first time ever. First time ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was. I think I was 13 years old. I was in eighth grade. It was like a where I took drum lessons set up like a showcase right. of like all the students. So like the drummers, you would practice with like a guitar player that they picked, mm-hmm. and you would like learn a song. And this this bar, I'll never forget. It was called Mercury Moon in Fleming Island. They would just like all day was like yeah noon to noon to eight p.m. Like we're showcasing like all the students. And I played just like some metal stuff with this other. Gu- it was just me and a guitar player, and I blew it. I, I totally <laughs> blew it. I uh, I was having to do like triplet double bass, and that's tricky. And I just like lost where I was, and so I just stopped for a second. I was like, "Where are we?" Oh, and then Uh-oh. I kept going, but it was fine. But yeah, it was like, oh, they're kids. They're, the parents are going to clap anyway. Oh, of you course, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to boo a child, right? <laughs> Would have been sick. <laughs> I don't know if I'd ever want to play again after that. Yeah. Oh my god. The first time that I ever played, I played a house show um in my friend's basement in 2008 with just local bands. Yeah. The first time that I ever played like a real show was 2009 at a venue that we had in Louisville called Bulldog Cafe right. and we and my band opened for a band called The Number 12 Looks Like You. Oh, I remember them. Yeah. Yeah. Um so that was my first time playing live and I was hooked. Yeah. Right you weren't, you weren't nervous or anything or? Uh I was extremely nervous. I still mm. get extremely nervous. It's just something that I'm not a very I don't know. I'm I'm a pretty nervous person I, I guess, especially yeah, sure. in front of strangers. So but yeah, I was extremely nervous and I remember I don't know. I guess I would be 14 at the time. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I remember, like, I was so excited. I was like, what the fuck is up? And, like, all this stuff. 14? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just replicating what you've seen. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Just, like, replicating what I saw. So, and then I had, like, some older friends that were in a band that played a bunch. And they were like, yeah, like, you guys were cool, but, like, you got to stop cussing. Like... (laughs) Nobody wants to see like a little kid cuss so much. Right. I was just like, okay, <laughs> funny. That, that, is, that is beautiful. I love that. So, how did you shoot cross parts? Was it just kind of an everyone knows everyone kind I think, of thing? Yeah, I definitely think so. Uh, for so long, I well, we're both like from me. the same county, right? Yeah. Like he went to Oldham County High School. I went to South Oldham High School. Right. I'm a little bit older than him, but we had a bunch of mu- uh, mutual friends, and then he started playing in bands with Isaac our guitar player and then i got linked up with isaac and just all fell together yeah so you guys started knock loose together no no oh, so i mean different if you want to trace it back to the like the very very beginning i was in a band for like a while and they broke up mm. and i wanted to do another band but i didn't want to do anything serious i just wanted to write music yeah yeah uh i was in college at the time and i hit him up to see if he wanted to start something with isaac yeah and then by the time we ever got together to jam, he, he was no longer in the picture. I don't know how that happened. Oh, that's right. But it was like my another friend that I had named Jared. And then we went through like drummer after drummer. And by the time we were when we were touring, that's when we hit him up. Yeah. It was like our our drummer's not cutting it. Do you want to step in? Yeah. Right. 
So you would have both had different first Knock Loose shows then, obviously. Yeah, oh, definitely. definitely. Yeah, yeah. So what was the first one? I was in the crowd at the first Knock Loose show. Oh, you were? No shit. The first Knock Loose show was in Louisville. It was at a venue called Keswick's Democratic Club. Right. It was like Knock Loose, Left Behind, Sworn In, a bunch of like Louisville bands. There Mm -hmm. was like a ton of bands on the show. It was not good. (laughs) We sounded much different than we do now. Yeah, sure. Um, But it was a lot of fun. And then from that point on, we played as much as we possibly could. Yeah. Even just at home. Like, we played a show, and then two days later... Like, we played our first show, and two days later, we played a house show. Mm. And then we just, like, kept going. Yeah, nice. And then his first show, I think, was at Spinelli's, yeah. which is like a pizza place that it we have at actually, home. Actually, I think it was five years ago, two days ago. No shit. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> what do you remember about that show? Uh, so I used to play with a metronome. Oh, and, true. And the headphones like that a, I... Like a physical one. No, it was oh, just oh, like... On the phone. Yeah, I would yeah, plug yeah. it into my phone and, and press play on it. And what I remember is the headphones, because I'd never played out live in a real room. Yeah. So the headphones I was using weren't loud enough. So I had like those like like if you're blowing leaves or like shooting a gun or something like yeah, yeah. like real life like muffs. So I threw those on and uh, I remember just my hair like sticking out getting caught in my mouth and all that. It was just like I'm like so nervous of oh this is my first time with these guys. Yeah. I got to like be on it. But I had a blast. I have there's like pictures from that first show that I still have, and I don't remember it at all. Really? <laughs> yeah. I I mean it was uh it was like pre the split coming out. Yeah. But I think we did a split song or two. Who else played? Oh, uh, honest to God, I have no idea. Yeah. I was too nervous. I don't know I either. Just, and I remember like the the guy that was like doing sound was like. Hey man, you might want to like set your drums up. So I like brought my drums in and I just like had them in the back and he was yeah. like, "You guys are like playing soon. You should probably like set your drums up before like I'm thinking I'll set them up right before we play." Yeah. Which would have taken 45 minutes. You know, no one <laughs> So he was, they were like, "Yo, like trying to coax me along, like yeah, help yeah, me yeah, out." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I don't remember who was on it. I would have to go back and look, but Yeah, we should <laughs> dig up that fire. Yeah. That'd oh, be cool. Man. Still playing a pizza place. That's pretty punk rock. Yeah. We still, we just did, uh, right before the record came out, we played that spot again just for the sake of, it's like, like where it started. It's oh, sick. It's, it's like a 90 cap room. Yeah. But it's like the only place that we have at home that does like all ages like DIY hardcore yeah. shows. Yeah, right. So it's like the place that like when we're home and we go to shows, that's where we're going. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we, we, yeah, we did like a surprise set there the day before our album came out. It's kind of like going back to like where it all started, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I, what they capped it. They like you usually you go to a show there and they're like, whoever comes comes buy a ticket at the door. Yeah, but this one they had to say like we can only literally allow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you remember what that? I think what they was? did. 200. Okay, I was going to say. Oof, which is a like a hundred. Yeah. yeah. It's oh disgusting. Yeah. But I think I think one time we've played there to over 300 people. Holy because shit. Because when we we used to just play there all the time and yeah. things were growing and growing and growing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, it was just like 
it's just our friends that put the shows on so nobody was like responsible we just yeah, were like yeah. let's just do it like who cares and then we played there one time and it was like the owner of the place was like yeah you all can't play here anymore like <laughs> oh, you, you all have just gotten too big so we had to like work it out for that one like we'll cap it like well, we'll I thought have, he like, was whoever said you can't play moved I, I don't know if it was the guy that owned it or if he just managed the joint oh word but uh Maybe. I thought he moved, and then we kind of, like, snuck our way back in yeah. for a couple We played, of like, a, a surprise set there one time. Like, we, our friends, like, Year of the Knife was playing there. Yeah. So we, like, it was noon, and we announced that we were playing that night. Yeah. And there was still, like, so many people yeah. came. And the, the, own, the, not the owner, but somebody was like, yeah, you off to chill. <laughs> Fucking hell. I think the craziest thing for me is like, you know, when, uh, you know, me and like a lot of Australians, you know, think of like the South and Kentucky and stuff like that, you know, it's often to do with like country music and, you oh, know, yeah. like a, a, a lot of that sort of stuff. And like, uh, it, it sounds like at the very least, you know, Kentucky has seemingly had like a pretty strong hardcore and punk scene for a while. Like, has that always been the case? Is it just, was it just kind of like a DIY thing of just like, oh, again, we all like the same stuff. We've got to band together and make these shows happen. Yeah. I would definitely say that it's smaller than your Chicago's or your New York's yeah, or whatever that may yeah, be, yeah, but yeah. it's definitely there and it's definitely existed for as long as I've been around and even longer. I mean, I'm like obsessed with um, like Louisville hardcore music, just like yeah. tracing it back and like I collect vinyl. So like I'm always yeah. on the hunt for like anything Louisville related and Sick. I've made a lot of friends that have been around for much longer than me and bands from like the 90s mm. and just hearing stories about shows back then and then just the progression that it's made or the way that things have changed until now but yeah. we're very much a, like a part of the hardcore community at home mm. because since it's so small it's like everybody has to contribute or it just won't exist you totally. know what i mean yeah 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 um, for sure we very much are proud of where we're from because of the work that goes into it to make sure that it it happens. No doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're when you're growing up, I feel like a lot of bands have this or a lot of people that get into music in particular have this very like archaic like rock biopic idea of what bands are like and how everything operates and stuff like that like you know like this like every band will have like you know like they'll sign to a label or they'll you know play a certain arena or something like that and it'll be like the band has made it you know and like it's a it's a trite idea but like no matter how big or small i feel like every band kind of has those moments for themselves where it's just like if teenage me knew what i was doing right now they'd be like bullshit that oh, didn't happen dude. you know and i'm curious as to what those kind of moments would be for you guys whether it's you know like getting to play in a certain place or tour in a certain country or even like have someone acknowledge your band or anything like that has there been anything like that for you where you're just like holy shit this is happening you know yeah. oh, i feel like i get i get like multiple a week when yeah. i'm like yeah. man i can't believe this you know yeah. it's just constant and I feel like when we started the band, our expectations were so low because, like, we none of us ever wanted to be like, oh, like, this is what I'm going to do for a living or this oh, is yeah. what I'm going or, like, we're going to get big or, like, whatever it may be. Like, that was just never the case. It was just like, I like playing shows. We're going to play shows. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, we should probably get a van and play shows like other places. Yeah. And then it was just like, 
you're supposed to go on the tour and you're supposed to make no money and you're supposed to sleep on the ground and you're supposed to eat Taco Bell every single day. Um, and that, and then it was just like things just started to grow and got a little bit more comfortable. And then things like that would just sneak up on you. Yeah. And then we'd be in the van and be like, Oh, holy shit. Like Corey Taylor from Slipknot is tweeting about our record. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah like freaking out the other day. The official NHL Instagram page <laughs> yeah. uh, was t- was like posting Which about is hockey, ice hockey. Yeah, 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 was talking about knocked loose on Instagram. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, that's that's one of those weird like who's behind yeah. that? Yeah, you know? it's gritty, obviously. <laughs> it's just yeah, stuff like that that's happens constantly, and it's um, I mean, it's amazing. I think They're having not- such low expectations. Has like one kept us humble, and two, we're just constantly surprised. Yeah, for sure. Do you have a memory of like your first moment of that? Because I was trying to think. I was like, oh, what? What was like the first moment of? The f- I would say the first moment for that ever for me was on the first tour that we ever did before Paxton was in the band. We were in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Mm. It was our guitar player Isaac's birthday. Right. We had a friend at home that kind of just helped us because we had no idea what we were doing. And he hit us up and was like, hey, BBC Radio wants to play a song from the demo. Whoa. Yeah, and we were like, oh my god. Like, So that was the first one for me. I, I yeah. definitely freaked out. I think, I think mine might be, it was on the first tour that I did. We played, it's like Alabama. It's where I did like a, I filmed it. I did like the GoPro video. It was at a record store. That's right. At, but like out back, right? You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. That was like the first time I visibly noticed. I was like, oh, I mean, there could have been like 20 people there maybe. Yeah. But I'm like, all 20 people know every word. Yeah. So that moment was like, whoa, like, yeah, totally. This is sick, you know? Yeah, man. 20 people know our words. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right? I can imagine that can be, that would be like so validating now, like, you know, like working so hard on this music to get it out there and, and now you're at a point now where you could pretty much stick your microphone out at any point and have like 20 guys doing your job yeah. for you yeah. but I mean yeah I absolutely agree but I've I've never gotten used to that like it's still yeah. amazing like um, it's crazy I mean if 20 people know the words tonight I'm gonna be through the roof excited yeah. you know what I mean <laughs> um, but yeah it's just I, I straight up feel like it's just constant there's constantly things going on that's like Shit! I feel like we just had one the other day. We were, we just went to New Zealand for the first time. Yeah, sick. And was it you and me? We're sitting there like, or maybe it was like me. It was somebody, me and somebody. We were just like, who'd have thought we'd be here? That was me. Yeah, it was (laughs) you and me. We were walking through. This is gonna sound like a flex, but I'm not trying to brag. (laughs) No, no, no. But we were like walking through um, the jungle to like a waterfall. Oh yeah, Mm. yeah. And I was just like. Why are we here? Yeah. <laughs> like New Zealand and Australia and Japan and like this little run that we're on right now. Yeah. Because um, from here we go to Southeast Asia. Yeah, sick. Um, the, all of these places are places that you just, that me, I never thought that I would go to. Yeah. Like you grow up and maybe you think like, oh, one day I'm going to go to Europe. Mm. But but I never in my life thought like, yeah, I'm going to go to Indonesia. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. That's but sure. now we are. And, like, this is our third time in Australia. Yeah. First time in New Zealand, like... So, yeah, it's just constantly happening. It was was being able to call, like, this circuit part of the routine 
was yet another like, oh wow. Yeah. Never thought I'd be able to say like, oh yeah, I have my year planned out. We have to go to Australia, Southeast yeah. Asia, New Zealand, Japan. Uh, I remember telling him we used to work at a restaurant together, waiting tables, and it was like after the. Th- maybe my third tour with them yeah i was like brian if we ever go to europe because of this band i'll cry i don't think i cried but we definitely have either. been to europe but i mean it Liar. was like one of those things i know yeah. i gotta stay true to my word Liar. I'll, I'll cry later yeah uh but it was just one of those things like like all you wanted to do is get in a van and play a couple gigs and then it's like oh well all over the world now yeah it's cool Crazy. it's it's i love that question because we really do we talk about it all the time. Yeah. Nice one, man. Yeah. Nice one. Okay, so we'll wrap it up here, but before we do cool. that, I ask this of all of my guests, and now it is your turn, Knock Loose. I want to know about the best and the worst shows that you have ever played. Oh, buddy. Mm. <laughs> that's why I say it's the last. Yeah, that's good. I don't think that I can narrow down the, the best. I'm going to have to do off the top of my head. Yeah. yeah. Which is the best answer. Yeah, because I if, I, if I think too far about it, I'm going to be here all night. Hmm. I, I gotta think of a worst. For the best, I'm gonna say for me is we were supposed to play a music festival last year oh. called Chicago Open Air, right? And it was like a big festival with like System of a Down and Ghost and all of these bands. And the three bands that opened it were Vane, Us, and Code Orange. Wow. Yeah. So the venue had like a pretty strict curfew. Yeah. And it started storming. So they couldn't push things back. They just had to start cutting the opening bands. Right. So Vane got cut. Then a couple minutes later, we got cut. And then a couple minutes later, Code Orange got cut. And as soon as those happened, like we're friends with a band called Harm's Way that's also from Chicago. So they were there hanging out. I looked to their guitar player, Bo, and was like, let's play a show. Like, let's find a living room. Let's find anything that we can do, but let's play a show. Because there are some kids here that wanted to see us. And like if we did like Harm's Way, Code Orange, Knocked Loose, Vane, it would be an insane show. God damn. Yeah, so Bo worked it out and all the bands were down. And he found a venue and it was the Metro. Which oh, is yeah, yeah, it's a very famous venue for Chicago. Yeah. Doors were at 11.30 at night. Yeah. Vane played at midnight. Shit. We played at 2 o'clock in the morning. There was over 950 people paid. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was a while. We announced the show with four hours notice. Damn. And there was almost 1,000 people there. That's crazy. It was like Vane, Harm's Way, us, and then Code Orange. Every band just played 20 minutes, quick sets, like, and every band had an amazing reaction. I mean, yeah. Code Orange played at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. And their set was just amazing. That's so sick. It was incredible. And I think just like all things considered, how it fell into place, it was just so, so much fun. That's fucking cool. What about worst? Worst? One time we played Armorillo, Texas. Right. Oh, I totally (laughs) forgot about this. And there were were 13 people there. We counted. Shit. And we've played the less. Yeah. But this situation just makes it a funnier story. Nobody there really gave a shit, but we throughout the bands, like I think for the first band, somebody just held a guitar and act like they were playing with the band, but they really weren't. Right. So then the next band it was like let's take it a step further and it was like Isaac played drums and the drummer sang and then people were just like mixed around 
And then for our band, everything was mixed around. Right. And it was like Isaac, Cole, and Kevin, which is like our guitar player and bass player. Yeah. They played sitting in chairs behind their cabs so that you couldn't see them. (laughs) And then other members of the tour held like guitars and bass and it made it look, yeah, yeah, made it look like they were playing. Um, Me and our merch person at the time, his name was Carson, we looked very similar. We both had really long hair, both really skinny. We dressed the exact same from head to toe, like same hat, same shirt, same shoes. And did the entire set with two vocalists. Oh my god! We just looked like twin that. brothers. That's so good. Uh, it was a nightmare, yeah, and <laughs> it was to the point where one time during the set, I was like, "Hey, if you actually were like excited to see us, I'm really sorry because we're just like fucking around fucking the whole around, time." Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say best uh, first time we sold out downstairs Palladium. Nice. In Worcester, Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just because I had a weird thing with that venue. Like, we would play the upstairs, which is a few hundred people, mm-hmm. and you had to walk through the main room to get to the green room. Right. And it just seems like such a big space that I was always like, like, who plays here? Yeah. And my friend from the area, she was like, oh, I've seen, like, Bring Me Here and, like, a few other, like, like the... Uh, Killswitch. Killswitch Engage yeah. DVD. Thanks for getting that. Yeah. What uh, was filmed there. And I'm like, this is like a crazy room. Like, wow. And then the first time we tried to play that room, it sold out. And I'm like, that's crazy. So that's up there for me. I think worst, it's not even a knock loose show. I used to sing for a band when I was with Cole. Cole and I were in another yeah, yeah, band. Yeah. And uh, we played two, like two of my friends from high school. And I let out like an oh. And a loogie came out of my oh. mouth. Land, I like went to wipe it away, and then I slicked it back into my hair without even thinking about it. So that's the worst for <laughs> oh me. Disgusting. I'm so sorry. That sucks. <laughs> that's a real like something about Mary's. It was bad. Yeah. Man. So, so that I I was like sitting here thinking for a hot second, like yeah. what really really bummed me out in the last ten years, and that was up there for me. Oh my <laughs> that's god, that's pretty bad. <laughs> The album is a different shade of blue. It is out now. It will be out still by the time that you hear this. Brian, Paxson, thank you so much for your time. Very much appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having having us. us. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for being had. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in Barbados. You've just listened to a not-for-print podcast, independent Australian podcasting.